I'm Dr. Gene Hansen. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired February 23rd, 2019. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Read. In the dollar... It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. What up, fam? It's Troy Harmon here today with uh, Jared McKenzie and none other than Peter Lynch, uh, a great name in the financial industry. Good morning. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not that Peter Lynch, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's our Peter Lynch. That's right. Who's a lot more notorious than, than the real guy. Well, maybe For not. different reasons, but, you know. Yeah. I've, you know, you can stop by and get a signature. <laughs> Happy to see you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's there good you stuff. Go. All right, uh, Jarrett, you're a, don't let me get them, anything wrong here, CFP, CWS, if I ran out of letters. Yeah, no, that's that's about that's, right. That's good, good job. All right, so you're a, yeah. you, both you guys work in our financial planning department. That's right. And uh, you all can answer loads and loads of questions about finance. Jarrett can answer questions about getting a four-wheeler back on all fours. Oh, yeah. It's been an interesting week. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. when the kids are out of school, you got to <laughs> do extra things yeah. sometimes. It's never a dull day, that's yeah. for sure. There you go. Y'all, uh, y'all have any issues with birds out there? I mean, you know, like the cycles, the, the, the little <laughs> no, we scooters. Don't, we don't allow those in Paulding County yet. They're, uh, they're outlawed. You know, I yeah. saw that they had outlawed those in uh, in Marietta not long ago. Did Just they? recently, yeah. They're hmm. they're not going to allow that craziness to get into Marietta. <laughs> All that but, millennial stuff, man. I tell you. Yeah, I tell you what, it uh, it's enough to make you want to grow a man bun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. All right, so stock market up again this week, uh, sixty three bips. Not a huge gainer, but um, hey, we'll take it. Yeah. Up is up. Keeps on inching up. Yeah. Um, year on the on the one year we finally we were, we're above the zero mark. You know, 2018 uh, did end down, so um, we've fought back a little bit from that. What we're about uh, four point. Uh, saw it here somewhere. Let me shuffle through my papers. Yeah, it seems like most most everyone's uh, losses were erased uh, that I've been seeing. I mean, uh, for the majority of of clients. Uh, the gains year to date have outweighed what where the year ended last year as far as losses were concerned. So yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Year to date, we're up almost 11 percent, 10.76. That's pretty significant. Uh, industrials leading the pack with a 17, almost 17 and a half percent gain. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's that quite is. a rebound. Um, market topped last in uh, September the 20th, and then uh, had a pretty significant decline, almost 20 percent, not quite. So we the bull is still alive, right? Yeah, yeah, we got to got to say that was just a a, a pullback. Well, it was a correction. We had more <laughs> than ten percent. We didn't get a bull market, which would have been twenty, right? Right. So, uh, well, fell till what's with the industrials? I mean, why why in the world is it is it that sector? You guys see anything in particular? No, cyclicals cyclical stocks like industrials and uh, consumer discretionaries. Have been getting plenty of love lately. Uh, if you look year to date, industrials are up 17.42%. Energy is up 14.24%. When it comes to energy, you know, this is a managed market. I talk about it quite a bit. 
Um, the oil price is uh, set by a cartel, yeah. a legal cartel. I guess it's legal. I'm, you know, nobody's done away with it. Yeah, that's true. And we all pay the price. Well, I know those prices mm-hmm. have been depressed for quite a while, right? I mean, they, they have, had yeah. a rough year last year, I think. Yeah, they rallied so. back for a little while, and then, you know, it's it's kind of a commodity, but it's it's all predicated on supply and demand. Mm-hmm. And the only thing is, supply is uh, managed to uh, dictate price. And usually the Saudis are who we look at. And Saudis and Russia tend to, to uh, determine how much they're going to supply the market with. And, and uh, it, it causes us, you know, demand stays relatively steady, uh, better in growth time, times of growth, you know, economies mm-hmm. that are growing significantly. So, um, yeah, it's it's one of those It's tough to get your... Is price per barrel about where we <clears throat> we would have expected it for the year? or is No, that... I, I, it's uh, just above 50 uh, I would expect, really, I expect long-term price uh, around 70 bucks a barrel. But uh, as long as Saudi Arabia can pay their bills, they're going to keep it as low as possible, trying to keep mm-hmm. uh, our uh, North Dakota wells from running. Yeah. And that's really yeah. what they're doing, that fracking issue that uh, they've tried to beat down since basically 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they got they managed prices way low, in fact, below 20 bucks a barrel for a little while, I think, just a short while. Um, so you think it'll hover there for the remainder of the year for the most part? I, I expect it to, I expect it's lower than it, uh, than it will end 2019. I think the price is probably likely to go up a little bit. Hey, while you got it, though, take advantage of the, the reasonable price at the pump. We've seen yeah. it over three bucks a, a gallon before, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. it's in stuff. I'm enjoying four. it now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Oh, yeah. Um, if you got a gas hog, it's it's not a bad thing. <laughs> Keep my feed, truck a little longer. <laughs> feed the beast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, drag on the year. Healthcare, 5.86%. Utilities are up 686 If you look at the 12-month numbers, real estate's up 21%. Utilities up almost 20%, 1996 uh, Financials in the basement with a negative, uh, negative 6.67%. Materials down... 5.73 on the 12 months. So, uh, kind of a kind of a weird situation. We had uh, lots of volatility late in 2018. Rebounded from that uh, pretty well so far. Low point was uh, December 24th, um, and uh, we've been been doing well. If you look, um, no reason not to. We got. Earnings growth 10.87 percent in the fourth quarter 2017 or 18. Um, uh, how much of that was actual growth? And well, how much was stock buybacks? Well, the, I mean, the engineering it's, it's we're near, talking about nearly right? impossible to to uh, you don't have all the extrapolate the two. I've got a few answers here. <laughs> Calm down, buddy. I mean, I'd rather talk about. I thought I thought you knew it all. I knew what, I knew most of it. Okay, well, yeah. that's that's still good enough. I can tell you that uh, energy, and this is on weak comps, uh, has uh, shown earnings growth of 92% in the fourth quarter. Sure, that's all. Hmm. Uh, that's, yeah, sales growth up 11.37 in that same sector. So um, look at industrials. There's why your industrials are up 18.6%. They had been lagging the market for a little while. Uh, communication services, 21 of the 22 companies in that sector reporting and uh, 21.06% growth. Now, you know, the the comps there going to be a little weird. Communication services is a brand new, relatively new uh, sector. Uh, you know, we put... They replaced telecom, right? 
it, it well it didn't really replace it, but they added a bunch of stuff to it. Uh, Ooh, some technology. Yeah, they added. It, yeah, uh, it's the There's best way to say. Yeah. Disney, anything it's communication related. So Disney's in there. Um, I believe Netflix now is in there. Anything media related. Facebook. Uh, I believe so, yeah. as well as uh, Alphabet, Google. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, bit of a weird situation there, but. Um, if you think about it for a minute, it actually makes sense that you'd put those in. It's it's not telecom anymore. Uh, the tickers are still the same, but uh, the name has changed, and so have the, the companies that are included. Um, if you look uh, at some of the other numbers that we've gotten recently, uh, surprise in, uh, in, in the market, 3.24%. So it's even better than analysts would have expected um, that 10.87% uh, growth in the S&P 500 overall, and that's with 436 of the 500 companies in that index having reported. Um, we got uh, a bit of news from uh, from our uh, economic sector <clears throat> or our economic um, our economy this this week. Two uh, MBA mortgage applications uh, expanded in the week. Uh, top line market index increased 3.6%. Um, purchase applications fell 4.2. Uh, refinance applications actually made up for that 5.7% increase. Um, I guess with uh, interest rates, you know, having inched up a bit, um, they were up two to three basis points in the week. And we still have that inversion in the belly of the curve that uh, is a bit unsettling to me, where you've got the, the one year that's higher than the two through five year. Did, um, I, did I read that the Fed said they were going to back off any further rates for the time being? I mean, uh, yeah, they're being patient. Yeah, yeah, we did yeah. get uh, we got a note from them this week, but it was really it wasn't much to sink your teeth into there, um, except for the fact that they are saying that you know they're still going to take a wait and see approach to to uh, further increases. And when I look at uh, there's a function on on uh, some of our tools that we use to, to see what the market believes. Um, the highest probability of a rate increase is 30% out through January of 2020. Wow. So Even with all the strength in the market. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's weird. You, I think what is happening, and, you know, it's getting more and more confirmation, it really feels like our economy is kind of slowing down. Mm -hmm. We're expecting to see, you know, some some slower growth in the in the next few quarters. I would think. You and think any political influence has anything to do with that? It shouldn't, but no. I, you know, as far as the the rates, mm -hmm. I, there there has been some talk of of uh, the president's actually come out and told our Fed not to raise rates, but I don't believe that's no, it at all. No. In fact, if anything, it might have been a reaction, negative reaction to that that we saw in December. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back with a dog of the week. Stick around. It's time for the dog. All right, guys, here we go. Dog of the week. 
Um, it's uh, actually a story that's been going on for a couple of weeks, but there's a, a guy that ran a cryptocurrency business, passed away recently, and didn't leave the passwords to the accounts. So $190 million of not only his money, but other people's money, the OPM, are tied up without being able to be reached. And this is a major issue. Uh, without someone, his wife, his, you know, somebody coming mm. up with these passwords, the money is lost forever. So uh, this story is from Fox News. Um, 190 million just disappears. Well, that's the way it'll be. You know, <clears throat> that's the thing that's strange about uh, about electronic currency. There are ways that you can write into the code uh a little piece of code that actually kills it, makes it worthless forever. Some of the founders of these businesses have actually done that uh, after they after they mined a few coin, and uh, you know they'll just kill it so that it doesn't look lopsided like they were favored mm-hmm. at, at some point. Um, but in this case, uh, it's um, Gerald Coton is the guy, and and the company is Quadriga CX. And it was just an accidental death. There was no fraud yeah. or nothing. No, it mysterious. was uh, from complications with Crohn's disease, actually. And you know, he he uh, went through surgery and just didn't make it. A sad story, but mm-hmm. uh, it impacted a whole lot of other people. And, and this was kind of a, a wallet of sorts. I believe the business is supposed to be just a way to to hold your currency, but you had to have passwords and <clears throat> the the. Um, platform upon which he was running the business had to have passwords, and those are the passwords that are missing. So uh, another one of those security issues, I mean, is it, you know, two years ago it was all the rage. you got to have cryptocurrency. Yeah. you got to have all this stuff. It was up 800% at some point mm-hmm. in uh, 2016, I believe. Uh, since then it's only fallen about eh, maybe 80%. Yeah, no big deal. It'll come back, right? <laughs> I guess it's no big deal if you didn't invest in it. Um, Does that mean it's on sale? But there are people that, that actually do this. In fact, we might even have one of them on our show today. Slightly. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I always there, said, Peter? you know, that's the thing. Yeah. I don't think Peter's got a mining operation. But maybe do not. He does. Do not. Um, but you have invested a little bit here and there, right? Yep. And yeah. and I always call this more of a speculation than an investment. So if if you were going to do anything with that, I always said spread it around. You don't know which one's going to be the ultimate winner. If and what would really happen uh, or have to happen in order for you to be able to really benefit from this is um, crypto would have to become the the next wave in currency. I just really never saw the disruptive nature of crypto relative to the fact that we can we can uh, have transactions electronic transactions based on the dollar that always you know made me struggle and then people would go to the blockchain well you can apply blockchain to pretty much anything at this mm-hmm. point it doesn't have to be related to any currency mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of folks have said you know that was that was the real benefit to our economy or our society in the long term was going to be that blockchain, and, it, and it's still getting plenty of play. And even uh, J.P. Morgan, I think Jamie Dimon, oh, was yeah. one of the biggest critics of the cryptocurrency, but have now instituted, or will soon, no, the blockchain started, technology, yeah. which right. you've got to separate those two. Right, right. 
but it, it's it's from which it emanated. I mean, exactly. that's that's where it started. So yeah. anyway, uh, so that's the that's the sad story. Dog of the week for the week. Um, <clears throat> it uh, might not get all the play that Jarrett wanted, but hey, you know what? It can't please everybody. That's a good one. First time I've heard crypto or Bitcoin or any of that in, in a while. Month, right? Right? Yeah, mm. everybody's moved on to cannabis. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> well, hey, I know there's uh, people asking daily almost. Uh, yeah, I don't know why aren't we looking at it? I say, well. There's a lot of things we look at you don't know about, and well, we don't we don't talk about those things constantly because some of the stuff we're looking at maybe is not all that attractive. But yeah, you know, you guys in research and, and the team oh, down there are constantly. Yeah, there there are many many things, and that's one of them because you know that could be a viable industry one day that, that maybe there is some potential in. But for now, well, I mean, it's, it's not it's it's not legal on a federal level, yeah, so you right. can't bank the profits. How are you going to invest in something that's got mm-hmm. regulation against it now? I believe ultimately we will see uh, cannabis legalized on mm-hmm. a national level. It just seems like it's got that much momentum. Yeah, it's on that and, path for and sure. And if it does, then we'll probably see next step. I would think big tobacco actually wins in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we well, they've saw got the cash flow. It looks like a lot of these companies now. I mean, Jacob and I, and, and, you know, we were looking at it a few days ago, and most of them, they're they're not, they don't have positive earnings. Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's just they're right. dumping everything into these operations. Well, and I'll tell you this: cannabis didn't get quite the pop that uh, that uh, cryptocurrencies did back when they were in their heyday. But but you can feel. I mean, there's there seems to be these these smaller waves, but they get so much momentum, and people don't understand them. But the price goes up. Uh, we've seen situations in the, you know, related to cannabis, where, you know, a company will change its name to make sure that you know that it's about yeah. cannabis. But mm-hmm. the reality is, they make, you know, scientific beakers or something that's used in a lab. It's it could be used <laughs> right. in anything, and they call themselves cannabis. So people start investing, and the next thing you know, you've got this, in my opinion, mm-hmm. out of control, uh, crazy train of of uh, momentum that's got the prices to the point where I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot stick. And you know, then, then the phone starts ringing. Oh, what are you doing here? Well, you know, I'm watching it (laughs) and quite often watching it is a, is a, is an active portfolio decision. You know, you sit there and look and it's like, it's not investable. Yeah. Well, I think you're doing the right thing. I mean, you know, who, who stands to, to benefit the most if that day does come, and you know, like you just said, a lot of these big tobacco companies they're sure, gonna yeah. they're gonna have the cash flows to continue supporting those operations and, and will probably find that pretty attractive that they don't have yeah. to start from the ground and up. And the distribution. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, Troy, you've been saying that for a couple of years now. That right. if it's going to get mainstream, yeah, that's, that's probably where it's gonna come from. And and you've seen those big tobacco companies start getting themselves in position to, to deal with that as well as electronic cigarettes, uh, you know, there's there's a few things going on in there, and at the same time, the prices on tobacco stocks have just gone through the floor. I mean, some of those stocks have got very, very attractive dividend mm-hmm. yields. Um, mm-hmm. I know this wasn't something we were going to touch on all that much, but hey. Just hot topic right since now. Since we're really here, is. why not? Yeah. But, uh, anyway, so when you're going to invest in your tobacco stocks, what uh, vehicle should you use? That's that's really what we want to talk about today. <laughs> One of the big things. Sure. Uh, you know what usually just life in general probably puts you in a spot where your first job uh one of the benefits might be a 401k so most people start investing in a 401k but the question is um you know we we met recently with Simon and that name's been changed to protect the guilty um innocent 
<laughs> yeah, that yeah. too. Either either works. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, the the uh, um, the the question he had was: Should I invest in my four hundred one k only? Mm-hmm. Do I need a Roth? Why do they offer a Roth? Some companies are offering a, a Roth four hundred one k now. Yeah, um, and, and then you know why shouldn't I have a brokerage? And and there is. Uh, something to be said for that. If you only invest in a 401k, you get to the age of 70 and a half, the government determines how much you take out, or at least the floor, the the minimum you take out. Sure. So there is a strategy to be used there to yeah. determine just how, what vehicle you should use. Well, to, to that end, right? a lot of people don't realize, I mean, if you get to that point and all you have is tax deferred money like you do in your 401, well, for spending purposes, that million dollars that you may have is really only seven hundred and fifty thousand, right? Yeah, I mean, depending on taxable, exactly. Right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can for investing purposes that is a million dollars, and you're able to continue growing it uh, from that amount. But for spending purposes, I, I've had a lot of people come to that realization after retirement and and thought they did well. They did do well. I mean, the tax deferred savings is a huge benefit, so it's it's right. not to be uh, negated by any means. But I think that. Um, it's important to diversify the tax status of your money about as much as it is the actual investments within those accounts. And it might be that uh, that you think about it in this manner. When you're young and you actually might be strapped for cash, it's probably best to take it out you know, before tax because then it doesn't affect your take-home pay as much. Right. But mm-hmm. as you're as you grow through your career, and you know, hopefully you're going to be making more money than you spend. Otherwise, you're not investing at all. Sure. Um, but as you as your your uh, salary increases over over your lifespan, um, why not start using it at that point to start thinking about? Well, you know what? I could put this amount in my 401k. I could save the rest of the Roth. There are some some. Uh, Things that you got to think about as far as limitations on annual uh, annual savings, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, taxes are a really important component of that. I mean, if if you're going to be in a higher tax bracket, which presumably you will come retirement age, then you you will want to have more uh, after tax money. Then so you're not taxed at a higher rate, and that's that's a, that's anybody's guess at what rate or what the code will look like at that point. But sure. you know, early on, especially since there's phase outs and things like that on Roth accounts, uh, it's it's good to get some of that money in that. That type of an account early on so that uh, if you're going to pay the tax, because it's after-tax money that's going to your Roth, you pay the lower rate you're in now and uh, get it in and let it grow tax-free. Yep, sounds good. Uh, let's uh, We'll revisit this when we get back, but uh, we're going to take a real quick break. You're listening to Money Talks. When you have money, you start investing in your future. When you start investing in your future, you start worrying you'll make mistakes. Oops. When you start worrying you'll make mistakes, you can't sleep at night and watch infomercials. Pick up cat hairs from clothes. When you watch infomercials, you think you can get rich by placing tiny classified ads in newspapers. When you place tiny classified ads in newspapers, you subscribe to those papers to make sure your ad is running. When you subscribe to a bunch of newspapers, they pile up at your house, making it look like you're not home. When you look like you're not home, Girl Scouts don't come to your door. When Girl Scouts don't come to your door, you don't get to buy Girl Scout cookies. Don't miss out on Girl Scout cookies. 
Get rid of get-rich-quick schemes from infomercials and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. All right, we're back. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and Peter Lynch. And uh, if you guys have questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd like to answer your financial questions. You can call us on our question hotline, one 429 9166 uh, the way it works, uh, you listen to our recording, you leave your own, including the question that you'd like answered. We play the question on the air and answer right behind it. Uh, if you'd rather talk to a human being, you can call us at 770-429-9166. Um, you can uh, ask for our uh, radio producer. You'll get the lovely Kelly Lynn, and uh, she can help you with your with your question there or you can email us at dr gene at hensler.com d-r-g-e-n-e at h-e-n-s-s-l-e-r.com um, you can also go to our website where we have uh, quite a bit of information that you can uh, review maybe answer some of your own questions if it's a broad enough question um, or you can use that same phone number that 770-429-9166 call in you can talk to jared or peter or uh, any one of our many uh, financial planners that uh, that do this every day and can uh, can help you or find somebody that will. Absolutely. Right. So uh, when we last talked, we were uh, kicking around the notion of where to save. And uh, Jarrett, you you said that it's it's hard to say just what uh, the tax situation will be in a few years. Uh, Peter, jump in here if you'd like. <clears throat> um, but it's important to have projections, right? It is. Like Jared just said, you, you don't know what your tax bracket's going to be. So it's good to be not only diversified within your investments, but diversified in your different types of savings vehicles. Right. So the typical order of withdrawal, usually when you retire, taxable money, tax deferred, IRA, 401k money, and then Roth money. So there are tax strategies in taking those withdrawals once you get to retirement. So having all of those uh, can be beneficial down the road. Yeah, is is there any benefit to potentially taking money from your your 401k or your IRA that's going to be forced on you if you had say you did retire early and you wanted to take some of the money so that it the the balance doesn't get built up is there anything that could benefit you from having the government tell you sure. at some point that you know you're going to take more and and it's really that simple right you just yeah take a bigger bigger withdrawal in the early years than mm-hmm. than would be your your forced withdrawal right. your yeah. required minimum because at 70 and a half i mean which i think is where you're going with this you know they're going to start forcing required minimum distributions from that account and if it's built up significantly then those are going to be large distributions that there probably be a, a large tax implication from taking but you know that's that therein lies the dilemma right because yeah, you might have a lower requirement as a result of taking some of the funds from the 401k or IRA early, but you also would have then lost the benefit of the tax-deferred growth, which is significant. And so it's hard to say that that's some of the, the battle that we fight uh, in advising younger clients that maybe are in lower tax brackets now than what they would expect to be down the road. Because we say, yeah, you know, there's also huge benefit in tax-exempt accounts like a Roth. Uh, and so it's great to get money in there. Uh, but you are paying the tax now, and, and while you do get tax-exempt growth over the course of that time, you lose the tax-deferred growth, uh, which is a very big benefit. And so because it is a dilemma and there's really no one right answer in, in figuring that out, I think 
the best answer that we can give is that it's a, it's a balance and a delicate one that is dependent upon your situation. So there's not any one rule we can apply to all clients, but in kind of assessing where they're at, we try to give them a balance of what we think you know, would be appropriate for them based on their tax status and, you know, the other circumstances in their lives that would, would help us uh, figure out what's most appropriate for them in, in that respect. And, and you want to have those options by having multiple types of accounts, the IRAs, the Roths, the taxable money. So exactly. as you mentioned, too, the required minimum distributions on an IRA or 401k, you don't have that required minimum distribution on a Roth. Mm-hmm, so right. that money can continue to grow. It could be a legacy amount that you want to leave to somebody, um, but it can also be used to potentially offset some taxes right. without having to take it from a traditional IRA. Well, and that goes back to, to why you had mentioned that distribution order earlier, Peter. It's, you know, we, we recommend spending from taxable money first so that you can leave those other dollars growing for, you know, tax deferred and tax exempt for as long as possible. Some people say, well, why wouldn't I go ahead and pull money from the Roth if it doesn't cost me any taxes? Well, that's a good question. But the other, the other side to that is why would you not allow it to continue growing in that manner so you can maximize those dollars. And, and so that, again, is one of those things where it's like there's no one right answer. right? But and I think that's the key because I, I too, had just gotten a, uh, an, a question from somebody about proportional withdrawals, taking money from taxable IRA and Roth all at the same time. And the article stated some tax advantages to that. But again, Jared, you've mentioned it a couple of times already. Everybody's situation is different. So it's, it's good to, to have a plan in place and know what your situation is and what you have available. Yeah, and the only way you can do that is to call a professional and have them kind of go with it, go over it with you, look over your shoulder as you get to that point where you're where you're going to start uh, with even before, before you start withdrawing, you know, yeah. so that you can you can know kind of what what steps you would go in once you get there, right? Yeah, cuz it can get tricky yep. if you start acquiring many types of accounts. All right. Know, is there anything else we need to cover in this topic? We can move on. I think that pretty well does it. All right. So uh, as I've mentioned, I'd love to answer your questions. We do have one here from uh, P. Anderson from Smyrna. Says, uh, I've held Hasbro since January 2015. I've done all right, but the last two months have been hard to watch. I did get beaten up toward the end of the year. Uh, I started uh, looking at Activision Blizzard, wondering if there might be more growth there. Um, any insight is appreciated. Well, you know, Hasbro has bounced back a good bit, but uh, if you look and, and you're talking about growth, Hasbro is a company that actually generates most of its revenue from from toys and, and uh, action figures. I don't know, Jared, do you ever have a G.I. Joe with a Kung Fu Just grip? Just a couple, Just along a couple. with He-Man and yeah. uh, a few others. Yeah. yeah, well, my dad didn't let me play with dolls, but, you know, sometimes you can you can deal with that. I don't, I don't, I don't know if Dolls? Oh, it's not like that? Watch your mouth, Troy. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Jared. Um, people in Pauling County don't listen to the radio anyway, so you, you're, you're, uh, you're still good out there. You're still welcome at home. You know when G.I. Joe's going to pop up around the corner. You better be careful. You're probably right. That kung fu grip will get you every time. Uh, so anyway, Hasbro is more, more you know, um, Physical. like I said, yeah, it is, it is you know, and... In, in, uh, Activision Blizzard is more of an electronic gaming type company. It's been a while since they've come out with some some of the new stuff, but um, you know they are very different. Uh, Activision is a much bigger company, about thirty billion, thirty-two billion in market cap, I believe, versus uh, Hasbro's eleven. Um, but when you look at the growth rates, actually Hasbro looks as if it has been growing faster than 
than Activision Blizzard. And most of this, the, both of these companies are really uh, entrenched in their methodologies. They grow from buybacks, which, Jarrett, you've already mentioned. Buybacks are not necessarily the best way to grow, but both of them also have been out there buying up uh, new companies over the last seven or eight years. Basically, in the last business cycle, both of them have been very active buyers of other smaller companies. Um, <clears throat> Hasbro has picked up um, more of the board games and and uh, some of the some of the branded products in in those um, uh, toys that we had mentioned earlier. And uh, Activision has done the same, but really with more electronic uh, gaming type companies. So um, going forward. Uh, Analysts expect that um, Activision Blizzard's going to grow at about six and a half percent, a little better than that, and and they think Hasbro's probably growing at around nine percent, and uh, that's usually the numbers that we use as kind of the consensus among the analysts that cover the two companies. Um, but I will say that um, I believe the better growth market, the better potential for growth, is with uh, Activision Blizzard. Uh, but I will say that. Hasbro is actually meets our criteria for investment based on financial strength and safety. So it's and, and Activision does not. Activision yeah. does not. That's correct. Yeah. So um, you know it's uh, uh, it's dangerous. Right. But if you look at the pricing, you know, mm. as far as as far as Activision goes, yeah. it actually looks more attractive because its price is not uh, ramped up as much. Yeah, but they're down about fifty percent in the past six months. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, and and lost a significant amount recently, but mm-hmm. you know a lot of that is the fact that they're coming off that potential growth high. Right. Uh, you look at the valuation. Like I say, I, I hate to recommend one or the other uh, because the one that looks the best from the fundamentals is actually one that doesn't meet our criteria. So right. I would say, you know, if you if you're hanging on to uh if you're hanging on to Hasbro, it's done all right, it's probably still doing all right. I'd say that's that's a, a decent just a better hold. Yeah, better hold if I was gonna do it for now. All right, uh you're listening to Money Talks. We'll be back in a minute and answer some more of your financial questions. Stick around. listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and Peter Lynch and uh, going over a few of uh, our listener questions. If you have your own questions, we'd love to hear from you. Question hotline number 1-855-429-9166. Email us at drgene at hensler.com, D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, you can go to our website, or you can give us a call and talk to a real person, 770-429-9166, uh, where you can ask for our radio show producer, Kelly Lynn, or you can uh, ask for, if you have questions directly that you'd like to have answered, you can ask for Peter, or you could ask for Jarrett, or if you just want to talk about things that really don't matter and a lot of fun, you can call Spin and the wheel. ask for Troy. Talk to Troy. I mean, <laughs> That's true. I can answer everything else. Oh, yeah, you um, got all the answers, like we said earlier in the show. Oh, right? yeah, all the answers. Um, 
But here we go. Uh, we got a question from Alan Daniel from Roswell. Uh, says, how often should I meet with my financial advisor? We just signed on with an advisor. He's not managing our money, but he's giving us um, the plan and the recommendations. Obviously, we'll go in when there are major changes, but how often should I meet up with my advisor just as a checkup? Uh, we pay hourly for his services. So there you go, guys. I think one of the key words that you said was uh, checkup. So a lot of times you can relate that to going to the doctor. Whether they want to see you at least once a year, right? At least once a year. And then the big question, too, is are you going to be reactive? Are you going to wait till you're sick or wait till your portfolio's in trouble? Or are you going to be proactive and meet right. with them regularly, make sure you're on track? Um, again, everybody, we've mentioned it multiple times, everybody's situation is different. So uh, how often you meet may dictate uh, you know, how complex your situation is. Yeah, and things change that, that might not be directly related to you. Like last year we had a tax situation. That, you know, the whole tax code got more or less rewritten. We've had a lot of questions this year about uh, not us directly, but, you know, people that uh, thought that they, their, their taxes actually went up when in reality they didn't. Um, but, uh, you know, things like that that are that you might not even notice. Uh, obviously, there was a lot made about the tax changes. But uh, the situation changes uh, sometimes, you know, without your situation specifically changing. And it's good if you talk to your advisor. They should be the one that's kind of on point with those kind of changes as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, it, Alan, as well, if you're paying an advisor on an hourly uh, on an hourly rate, then it's probably good when you do sit down with them to figure out what the, the thresholds are, the, the deviation, if you will. It's kind of one of the things that we're watching when we're actively managing money for clients and trying to keep things within a certain range, whether it be the plan or the investments. And if you know what those thresholds are and you guys are updating things when you do meet, as you watch it you know, on your own, uh, as things change in the market, as things change in your life, if, if those circumstances or your investments start to deviate and get to a certain point that it's without uh, or I should say outside of those thresholds, then you know, that might be an indication it's time to get back together so we can kind of bring this, this back uh, to where we want it, uh, that, that target allocation, if you will, the, the target range, and make sure that it's within that. And, and you know, if you are watching things on your own and only paying an advisor hourly, uh, then presumably you are monitoring things yourself, and that's something to, to certainly keep in mind and, and try to set those thresholds, know them, and, and ask your advisor that when you do meet them so that you know kind of what that range is. Yeah, that's one thing that you really do need to watch is uh, think about last year, Jared, you and I know – uh, talked about this quite a bit, how much technology had outpaced every other sector in the market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you get to a situation like that, um, having that conversation with your advisor, he should be able to point out that, you know, your your portfolio is overweight. A lot of people want to let the big dog eat, though. And <laughs> right. uh, it can actually get you in a mess because when we saw the decline in the market in the fall of 2018, who was hit the hardest? Mm-hmm. It was all those NASDAQ stocks, right? Everything right. that was listed on the NASDAQ uh, technology took a beating. And I know, you know, we have clients from time to time that really get caught up in that mentality. Well, it's it's been running. I, I really don't want to do that. We tell them, mm-hmm. you know, you probably ought to rebalance back to your long-term strategy. Let's uh, take a little bit of the money off the table because in doing that, you're taking risk off the table. Yep. I was just going to say you're controlling that risk as well. Right. Yeah, and and that's a major issue. If you you know just uh, one of the things that's easy to do is to look at that bottom line. Oh well, my account grew or my mm-hmm. account shrunk or whatever. 
looking more granular, which your advisor can help you do, is always a great idea. Yeah. And the same is true on the opposite side if you're underweighted. Right. Say in, when technology crashed in yeah, well, 2000, well, you would have wanted to be, you know, we would have wanted to have a higher allocation when the market recovered. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so when things contract, or or even if they get left behind, even if the performance is reasonable and you know, and it the the pricing looks okay, um, look at what's happened to utilities lately and how were they doing middle mm. of last year? Um, you know, it's it's a huge yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that's that's good advice as to how often to meet with your advisor. You know. Uh, and the kind of things that they might be able to bring up. So we got another question here. Seth from College Park asks, are there any bank stocks you like right now? What if I just said no? <laughs> well, the I'm way financials were looking on these reports you gave me earlier, I'd say uh, that is the case. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, his question goes on. I have shares of Wells Fargo, but it, is, it hasn't impressed me much in the last year. Uh, are there better opportunities out there? You know, Wells Fargo was on my recommended list for a long time. I did pull that away last year, and most of it is a governance issue. You know, the fact that they had all these accounts that got opened, the company really couldn't answer as to why. Then, you know, it was reported that there were even more accounts than they had known at, at first. It just seems like a, a comedy of errors at some point. And then I couldn't log into my account for a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, there's mm. all kinds yeah, of issues. Just recently, right? right. Yeah. yeah, technology so. issues. So, uh, you know, while while I think the bank did quite a good job navigating 2008 and 9 um you know i'm i'm not a fan of wells fargo and if you ask what you did uh what then uh if it were me i i don't like banks right now because i truly believe that we're kind of late in the business cycle mm-hmm. i believe that we're likely to see things slow down uh going forward and and it's not really a good environment for banks when you start seeing that uh the one thing that you can watch is their net interest margin Basically, in order to do business, banks borrow money short term and they lend it out long term. So when you have a yield curve that looks normal, you can make more on the 10-year or Mm. the 30-year in their case. A lot of them, you know, loan for mortgages and things like that. So the the 10 or the 30-year interest rate is much higher than the three-month or the nine or 12-month. And that differential between what they borrow, the rate they borrow at, and what they lend at is uh, is significantly impacted when you see the economy slow down. Well, so you think that margin is going to remain low now that interest rates are kind of coming to a, well, a slowdown or a I told you there's, a, there's still an inversion in the belly of the curve. Mm-hmm. The, the short-term interest rates are actually higher than some of the longer-term interest rates. It's, a, it's not a normal... Uh, sign. In yeah. fact, it's a sign usually of a slowdown, an impending slowdown. We didn't get the two in the 10 year, which is the longer term uh, signal that we look for before you start pounding the table about a recession. We're not there yet. Um, but it, it still wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, you know, you got unemployment at 3.7 percent, I think it is. Uh, it's really low. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of room to go lower. Um, you start seeing wage growth. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. build. That's usually the sign of the first signs of of significant inflation. Uh, the the Fed's already got us in a spot where they raised interest rates until the yield curve kind of did something wonky. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I I would uh, edge away from banks at the moment. Uh, something yeah. like ICE, um, Intercontinental Exchange, might mm-hmm. be a good choice. 
Uh, one that I really like is, is Travelers uh, Property and Casualty Insurer. If you look at them, they got a bait of about 0.83 through the last downturn. They did significantly better than the overall market. That's not to say they didn't lose money. They did. They lost, but instead of 52%, they lost significantly less. So, you know, if it were me looking to invest money in financials at the moment, I'd probably go with an insurer that gets a good portion of its money from uh, from its income, from its uh, portfolio of bonds. Got it. All right. You've been listening to Money Talks. Thanks for listening. Market's going to be up next week. Got to be. Absolutely. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.